0: everybody you're listening to suds buds presents pints and pixar the show where we chat about the films of our childhood over an adult beverage and uh yeah if this is your first time joining us welcome and if you're a return listener then you know that we are talking all things toy story franchise and uh yeah as you may know toy story is the franchise where the uh humans just keep getting older and the toys just stay the same age. All right, all right, all right. Uh, I'm here, as always, in studio with co-host of the show, Mr. Nate Padel Woo! Nate, what's going on, brother? How we doing today, buddy? Oh, man, chilling, just uh, feeling feeling very Toy Story-y. I don't know. It's been... We've we packed a lot of Toy Story talk and watch into our afternoon today, so... Yes, that... Um it's it's weird like
1: doesn't really matter how many times i've seen this movie like i i'd be curious how many times in a row i'd have to watch it where i'd be like okay i don't want to watch this but like i still find myself like we'll be talking about something and then it'll be on tv and i'll just slowly trail off and just watch the movie again like it, it's got that it's got
0: that draw don't you love movies like that where like you saw them when you were super young or like you've seen them a million times, but it's like each time you watch it, you just pick up on something new. Yeah. Like that's, that's definitely the big Lebowski for me is Ah. the movie when I think of with that, there's just so much going on where it's like probably seen that movie, you know, somewhere between 30 and 50 times. And no matter how many times I watch it, there's always a line of dialogue that I didn't know was there. I forgot about. It's great. Uh, I think the last, Fun fact
1: about that one I learned was that um, Flea is in it. The base yeah. player
0: from the Chili Peppers. He's one of the guys that... Uh, uh, the, the Nihilist. Yes. Yeah, he's yes. one of the
1: Nihilists. The guy running with the scissors in the dream. Yep. Yep. Pretty great. Well, don't they... They get in a fight with him. Is it at the bowling alley? No, that they break into, um, they break into his apartment. They're the ones that put the ferret in the bathtub. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, you're right. Yeah.
0: Um, Man, love that movie. Great flick. But, uh, yeah, we are not talking no. Big Lebowski tonight, unfortunately. But what we are talking is a wonderful Pixar movie at, uh, over a wonderful beer, as yes. we do. So, uh, what Speaking are we of beer,
1: uh, first one we got up. And we're not actually sure if we ever did this one on our normal podcast. Uh, but we drank it several times before recording. Uh, it is the Wabasha Brewing Red Desert IPA. Little red a- IPA action, which is not an overly common style. Um, like I said, we've we've had this beer a fair share of times in the studio. We just
0: never talked about it. I love this beer. I think we've had this as our like pre-show pre-show beer many times. But I was going through my notes and I didn't see it uh, in our rankings. So I think this is a, a new one for the Suds Buds five star scale. Yeah, I'm uh, again, much like the Toy Story thing. Just kind of excited to drink it. Doesn't matter how many times I've had it. Well, without further ado, let's uh, crack open the conversation, Nate. All right, all right. Nice little tss, pop there. Yeah. Once you, uh, why don't you let them know why, why we got this beer on today. Yeah. So, uh you know, we try, or I shouldn't say we try. This is our second episode, and we didn't do a very good job of pairing our beer with the first episode. It was a pretty lazy pairing. So we thought we'd come back. Nice and strong for episode two. No sophomore slumps here for the Suds Buds. Mm-hmm. And uh, we ended up deciding to do all Western-themed beers. So all the beers we're sampling and reviewing today um, either have some sort of Wild West imagery um, on the can, or they have some sort of uh, Western Country wordplay, so a real Woody's roundup of uh, beer selections today. Real Woody's roundup. I figured it only fits since there is a, you know, kind of a, a 1950s Wild West TV vibe to Toy Story 2 that we'll uh, we'll get into a little bit here. No spoilers. Yeah. Well, before we uh, dive into Pixar, how about we do a little Cheers here? That seems really far away. I'm not gonna do that. Well, I, got sh- I got short arms. Leave me alone. It's a socially distanced Cheers. <laughs> okay you got Rex arms. Mm. He is my spirit animal. Actually, I feel more like a Slinky, you know. I think we talked favorite characters a little bit in the last one, but do you have a favorite character after watching Toy Story 2? Um yeah, I I hate to be that guy, but I'm
1: still I'm still a Buzz number 1. Buzz number 1? Yeah, Buzz number 1. Second is definitely not Woody. Um I'd probably go Slinky or yeah probably slinky and then
0: i'd go rex sure yeah i really like slinky potato head and ham i think those would be probably my three favorite ones i think there's like a snarkiness that they all have to them but they're all very funny in their own right yeah maybe not slinky as much he's more i feel like kind of one of the moral compasses yeah either that either that or like a hype man i guess yeah
1: like slinky's always like He's just down to help. Yeah. You know, he's just a helpful dog. Um Ham Ham's uh I, w- I would say Potato Head of uh, those three is like more the ringleader. Like he's got that weird, um I don't like he instigates a lot of shit. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. He's he's the head of the angry mob. <laughs> Truth. Yeah. Very yes. Quick to turn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see who, uh, our favorite characters are once we're all said and done with the Toy Story films. We're halfway through the franchise now, you know, by the time we wrap up doing this podcast, this whole series, there's a good chance Toy Story 5 could be in theaters. Who knows? We'll see. That'd be weird. It would be weird, but you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, we're, uh, we're just focusing on this one. So, uh, what do you say we get into a few little, uh, plot notes here? Yeah. So, um, yeah, this film's kind of, um, I think we talked about it off air. It's a movie that very much feels like a sequel and it kind of constantly Mm. wants to remind us that it's a sequel. It, uh, from the very beginning, it's, you know, callbacks to the first film, you know, you maybe don't need to have seen the first film to understand this because it's a pretty, I mean, it's a children's movie. Yeah, they're not diving too deep
1: into lore, right? But yeah, in,
0: in that first scene though, like you have the family dog, which is introduced at the end of Toy whoa, Story. Well, you're
1: skipping over that whole intro scene
0: with uh, with Buzz, the the video game. Come on, I guess that's true. That's that's a standalone piece. You have a yep. uh, bug. Tr- <laughs> <laughs> you have Buzz trying to uh, conquer the evil Emperor Zurg. Um, throughout this kind of intergalactic obstacle course and fighting robots and such um yeah feels like an action movie yeah they did they
1: did a really good job with that scene i will say um the video game consoles in toy story in that universe seem to be far ahead of where we were at video game wise yeah
0: and like an older console too because i think that movie came out in like 99 and they're playing on what looks to be a super nintendo with like xbox one graphics it's like yo something ain't right exactly it is literally just a movie that
1: they're playing yeah um so little continuity issue not a big fan
0: yeah and you know we'll mention it now but dive into it deeper later um right from that very first scene we're getting big time like 80s action movie vibes um and there's a lot of big time action movies that this film uh kind of parodied are spoofed mm-hmm. um so we'll we'll talk about all those later but uh right away at the beginning you know we got laser blasters and robots and buzz flying around and the robots are clearly a, a ripoff from uh, Battlestar galactica with the little beam tracking you know horizontally on their helmet uh i love i love too like the big robots are there and then the little robots pop out
1: of those shoulders and you think that's the end of the bit and then they do it one more time, <laughs> yeah. Like some weird, like Popeye style shit where he's got a muscle on his muscle, yeah. <laughs> I, it's just a really dumb joke, and I love when a bit goes like one step
0: too far, like it. Yeah, it is good, pretty great. Uh, yeah. So, but then we kind of get uh, a very big change in pace when they take us out of the video game. I guess you could kind of call what we just talked about like the cold open for Toy Story Two. Um, But, yeah, when we're brought into the world, um, Rex is playing the game, and there's a yard sale going on. And uh, Woody ends up basically trying to save uh, Squeaky, who is a penguin toy. Um, from... It's actually
1: Wheezy. Excuse me. Wheezy. Is
0: Wheezy is a penguin toy with a broken squeaker who yeah, uh, has been accumulating dust on uh, the toy shelf in Andy's room. The broken toy shelf. Mm. What uh, a a depressing thing to have
1: in a room. Yeah, man. He's a kid who loves toys, and his mom's just storing all of the toys that are accidentally broken up on this shelf.
0: Still in his room, too. And he knows where they are. Yeah. Like, just just keeps them up there. It's fine. And, man, that shelf was dusty. Like, those toys hadn't been touched in a long time. So, yeah. um, Squeaky, uh, you know, he gets hauled out for the yard sale Andy's mom comes in and you know they do a sweep of the room and basically get rid of anything that's busted and uh yeah Woody ends up deciding to go out and try to save uh uh Wheezy from the from the the boxes in the yard sale and that's kind of where I guess you'd say the adventure sort of begins and takes off um and uh
1: yeah, then Al, that's where, like, we meet the main protagonist, Al. Yep. Um, breaks in, or not breaks in, he finds Woody, like, sitting on the, uh, sitting on a table, and he decides that, or he, knew, he needs to, uh, Woody doll to finish off his collection, so he tries to buy Woody, and his mom's not having it, and so he pulls a little dastardly deed, you know, kicks a skateboard across the yard sale, and, uh. Breaks into the lockbox and steals a
0: children's toy. Very dirty move. That's yeah. where Al becomes a nemesis. Like, I mean, we kind of talked about it a little bit off air, but like if if Al's just this guy who's got this toy store and he's a big time collector and he wants this toy at this rummage sale and the owner doesn't know the value of it and he can get that toy for like a dollar, that doesn't make him a bad guy. No, But, you know... Pulling a quick one and breaking into the lockbox. That's where Al kind of made his, uh, you know, That I, I feel like that's where we see the first of his tragic flaws um, come to light. So uh, and, and I guess maybe, too, before we go any further, it's worth mentioning that while all this is going on, you might be thinking, like, well, where's Andy at? He's gone at... Um, Cowboy camp. Cowboy camp. Cowboy camp. And uh, part of the reason why... Um, I guess it doesn't have too much to do with it, but like in one of the early scenes, Woody uh, ends up getting his arm ripped when Andy's playing with him. So it kind of makes a little more sense why he'd be out in that rummage sale, even though it was inadvertently. He's kind of a broken toy at this point, and mm. he's kind of trying to um, deal with that feeling. You know, at one point, he even has a dream of, you know, what it would be like from a toy's perspective being cast aside and thrown into the trash, the bin of, you know, broken pieces. <laughs> broken toy arms you know
1: quite literally all these toys that's the theme of the movie the toys are grappling with uh yeah with basically um i mean how would you even phrase it grappling with becoming obsolete yeah, yeah they're grappling with growing older aging not yeah. necessarily mortality but just aging
0: yeah yeah and in some ways, I think they do almost kind of touch on that mortality aspect. But, um, yeah, they do a really good job, Pixar and all their films, of um, really personifying these inanimate objects and making us as a viewer uh, feel an emotional connection to them. Which, I mean, on paper, sounds really hard to have an emotional connection to a toy Slinky, you know? But
1: but I, I got you right here in my heart, Slinky.
0: Yeah, when Pixar is behind it, they got you, man. Yep. Um, something else I kind of wanted to reference was, uh, I, I was listening to this podcast that was pretty interesting that it's a new one to me, but it's called, uh, the villain was right. And basically their whole thing is they, uh, they dive into, um, different films and basically try to defend the antagonist. And they did a toy story two episode where they kind of, um, retell the story from the perspective of. Uh, The Prospector, Stinky Pete, Kelsey Grammer's character, and uh, Wayne Knight's character, uh, Al, from Al's Toy Barn. And they do a pretty good job of defending those two characters and um, making some of their shortcomings seem a little... Less bad. Yeah, less criminal. I guess, you know, they acknowledge that Al kind of... He starts it. He broke a big one when he he stole... Uh, uh, you know, from a mom, a single mom on her property. I mean, that's pretty, punching yeah. pretty low. Um, but as far as Sneaky Pete, who I would argue... well, We haven't even gotten to Sneaky Pete yet. We got to finish our little plot summary here. I guess, I guess. Yeah, we're getting it's... ahead of ourselves. Very excited. Don't want to spend too much time on the plot, but basically, uh, just going through it real quick, we end up going to a museum, or not a museum. Uh, uh, Woody ends up getting taken by Al and brought to... Um, Al's apartment where he's uh, prepping this set to sell to a uh, private collector, a museum in Japan. Uh, this old Woody's roundup playset, What we presume is probably from the forties or fifties. Yeah. Old timey Western Americana pull string dolls. Um, and there was uh, a TV that accompanied this lunch boxes, records kind of like a, um, Roy Rogers or like a, a, a Lone Ranger, I think would probably be a good comparison. Um, but yeah, so t- Woody now kind of has his second home and he's having a tough time um, coming to grips with this, even though he's got, you know, some new friends and Bullseye and Jesse and uh, Stinky Pete. But even them, they're kind of, there's friction between the two because Woody doesn't want to be there. And they're kind of offended because you know, Jessie being an abandoned toy herself is kind of like insulted by that. Like, what's the alternative? You know, she can't really comprehend an alternative. You know, what could be better than going to a museum? You know, you're, you're more than a toy. You're, you're an antique, you're a collectible kind of thing. But I think deep down inside, Woody misses his friends and he misses his owner. He misses that companionship, you know? Um, these aren't his friends that he's always known and loved you know he's i think he's trying to feel like he you know there's this um expectation to be something he's not all of a sudden which i think is also another relatable thing uh especially for maybe a kid watching it at the time
1: yeah well and then i mean i think there's also kind of the point where like Woody, a <clears throat> reason Woody's not one of my favorite characters in this in these movies, is that he's always a little full of himself. Yes, um, and that's pretty much what drew him into like the Jesse, yes, um, yeah, the Jesse kind of group. Is that they have all this merchandise with his face on it. Yes, and he's like, oh shit, I'm a big shot now, you know. Um, which was kind of the deal with the first movie, basically. I think it could be argued that Woody's, while he's not the bad guy in these movies, he's not really a good guy.
0: No, no. Like, most of the problems stem directly from him. Yeah, and I don't know if it's by choice thing or not, but I mean, Woody's really kind of like, uh, he's kind of like the jock in the story. He's kind of like that high school quarterback where it's like, he's really the king of two different worlds. He's the king of Andy's world, mm-hmm. and he's the king of this world woody's roundup world you know al's world in this movie so it's uh i don't think that's necessarily good for anyone to be this person who's you know this grandiose uh you know king of two things and is being quite literally pulled over fought over um yeah i think it does something to a a person's psyche and apparently a toys too as we found out Um, exactly so yeah it's uh I don't think this movie is as dark as the first one, but I do think that, you know, a lot of those scenes with Jesse and Woody and, and the prospector, they're pretty dark, man. Mm-hmm. Some pretty heavy stuff. Um, And while this is all going on, we've also got kind of a a, a B story and a C story. I would say the A story is, you know, Woody's yep. story. And then the B story is uh Al. You know Al trying to get this toy fixed in time and sent out to Japan. He's kind of the first time, other than Sid, that we're uh, seeing a Pixar Pixar story unfold through a human's eyes. Um, and then the C story is you have kind of the rescue team where there's kind of this road movie going on where all the toys are kind of traveling. And I think that's where actually I don't even want to say I think that's where the majority of the comedic moments oh God, come yeah. from in this movie is. The toys traveling yeah
1: there's well there's that scene where they're they gotta or they they walk all the way to the toy barn and they've got to cross a busy street so they all wear in the middle of the day so they all find some traffic cones and they're crossing the street and they're just like dropping at random points and which is causing all of these traffic accidents like there's no way somebody didn't die in one of these traffic accidents
0: yeah, when it's all said and done, like a giant cement pipe rolls off of a semi just down a street, just like, and then we just cut. You know, it's still rolling. It's still going. Exactly it's gonna crush it's, something. It ain't stopping. Yeah.
1: Yep. Um, so that was a fun bit. But yeah. Then they what, they get up to um, they get up to Al's apartment. Uh, kind of have a back and forth with Woody. Woody says he's not going. Has a change of heart mm-hmm. again. Woody's. Like I said, the more I talk about it, especially the faster bullet points, he doesn't sound like the best guy. No. Um, he has a change of heart, decides he wants to go with his friends. That's where Stinky Pete kind of comes out as the bad guy. Yep. Um, one of those
0: those fun M. Night Shyamalan twists that Disney's known for, you know? Yeah, when he screws that vent shut and we find out that he was the one that uh, was behind the remote clicking on. And kind of mm-hmm. foiling Woody's plan trying to escape with his arm without Al knowing after his uh, arm is fully severed. Uh, we kind of find out that uh, Stinky Pete's been foiling Woody's plan from the get-go. Yeah.
1: Um, so then they get transported to the airport. Loaded on a plane. Well, Actually, there's this whole battle scene in the, uh, the luggage sorting facility. Which... I guess, I can't say for, I've never seen what a luggage sorting facility looks like, but that was the first memory I have of like, oh, this might be what it looks like.
0: yeah So it's hard for me to picture that anything that goes past that, that's not what it is. I think, you know, I'm glad you brought up that scene because I agree with you. Like, as a kid, I remember that and just thinking, like, is this what it looks like? You know, like, I mean, as a kid, you fly, you know, if you have the opportunity to be on a plane, like, awesome, but like, you really have no idea how that all you don't know how a plane works much less how your luggage gets to and from you know yeah um but i think aside from that i think that scene is a really like monumental scene for how far pixar was able to push their animation at that time and i think we see something very similar to that scene in monsters inc oh yeah that's a much like you can tell it's like there's no way that that scene from Toy Story Two wasn't mentioned when that scene in Monsters Inc was put together, but they made it so much more grand where you see where all these these doors are going to, mm-hmm. um, and I just love that man. It's like a it's like a roller coaster kind of yeah.
1: Well, and that, I think that was kind of the thing is it was supposed to be just like this chaotic machine that these toys got thrown into. Um, but yeah, they, so satisfying they, to watch. Oh God, yeah. Um, but yeah, then they they battle through that um jesse ends up getting stuck in the box woody goes after they end up on a plane
0: and then bullseye and buzz rescue him
1: off that plane
0: yeah and then you know we end back at the the house um yeah they, they steal the uh luggage car from the tarmac and they just drive it home. Toys commit Grand Theft Auto for the second time in the film. Yep. First time was maybe worth mentioning too that the truck they stole was the same delivery driver's <laughs> truck from Pizza Planet in the first film, which is weird callback. But uh, that guy just can't catch a break. Yeah, you know? and that car's still on the road too. The way he was driving it, man, he beat that thing in the first one. Built, uh, built whatever brand tough. Yeah, those Toyotas are. Was it a Toyota? Yeah. Okay. Nice. Um. But yeah, that uh, that brings us to the end. The final scene. Um, toys are all, uh, back together. Um, in in Andy's room, they've staged themselves as though they're a present from Andy's mom. They've got the etch a sketch set up. Welcome home, Andy. And there's all the new Western toys there, minus Stinky Pete, because he got sent home with another kid. Yep. And uh, yeah, Andy gets home. Sees Welcome Home, Andy. Sees his new toys. Oh, thanks, Mom. You know, he's super excited. And uh, I think he fixes Woody too, right? Yeah, it fixes up the arm. Yeah, stitches Woody back together. And uh doesn't look as pretty as when Woody gets fixed by the cleaner earlier in the film. But it's kind of that thing where it doesn't really matter after all, you know? Exactly. Like And that's kind of what they established. Is that, like, everybody's getting older. Um, but, like, they're there for Andy. You yeah. Know? They're Andy's toys. And there's even the touch at the end where, like you could tell the stitch job was a little shoddy. He's got like red stitching and his one arm's a little fatter, but like he doesn't care. Neither does Andy and everyone's happy that Woody's back. And, uh, we end on a musical number too. The first time that Pixar kind of has a tongue in cheek, self-aware <laughs> musical number where Wheezy the penguin who now has his squeak box fixed, uh, uh, plays us out with a very show toony version of, uh, Rainy Newman's You've Got a Friend in Me. And it's uh it's a very cheesy ending, but it's nice. Yeah, it's it's
1: fun. Um well and then in the uh all the post credit scenes they do bloopers <laughs> the fake for, blooper an, yeah, reel. Fake blooper reel for like they animate bloopers that the yeah that the toys are in. Which is just great. Um a Little Bugs Life clip. Yeah, they they make a little callback to Bugs Life, um which was released before this one was released. But obviously, if we're going to watch Toy Story, we're going to watch them all in a row. Right. Yeah. I Can't believe we even thought
0: otherwise. Yeah. That's just silly. Just makes sense. Shout yeah. out to Salsa Dave for that idea, I suppose. Gotta give credit where it's yeah. due. He's got a friend in me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm glad we didn't take that <laughs> advice. <laughs> got him. But, uh, yeah, that basically uh, brings us to the end of our... Uh, Toy Story 2 plot notes. We're going to take a little break here in just a minute, but before we do that, we've got to get back to the beer part of our episode. So we just wrapped up drinking uh, delicious beer from Wabasha Brewing Company in St. Paul, Uh, a favorite of Nate and myself's. uh, It's their Red Desert IPA. And man, I think this is a, this is a perfect beer for this movie. I oh, mean, God, yeah. But as Western imagery as you can get on a, a beer can, you've got a skeleton with a sombrero playing a flying V in a lawn chair out in the desert. It's like, yep. I forget who does <laughs> Wabasha. I looked it up one
1: day, um, who does Wabasha's can art. Because, yeah, they, they, they've they got some awesome stuff. Like, It's not a brewery I hear a lot about, but... Their artwork is almost always fantastic. Yeah, um,
0: I feel like they're really known for their Westside Popper, their mm. jalapeno cream ale. Like if I hear someone name drop Wabasha, it's usually like, "Yo, they got this pepper beer," and I'm like, "I know." Yep. and it's you're right. It's it's very
1: good. <laughs> or or if they just mention a pepper beer, um, nine times out of ten, it's that beer.
0: Yeah, I'm like, check out Wabasha or Jackpine. And they're like, oh
1: yeah, Wabasha, that's where I got this one. I was like, yep, that sounds about right. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, no, big fan of this one. Um, you know, it's got all that, that West Coast bitterness, that dankness that you look for. But then it's got a little bit of like malt or a little more extra malt backing it up. A little almost sweetness coming from that. Um, yeah, just, just like a, a perfect combination
0: of those two styles. Agreed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I basically, I, I agree for the same reasons. It's a, it's a multi West coast IPA, you know, a little heavier. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I, I really can't say a whole lot different than what you said. <laughs> I, I like the style. It's a red ale It's a West coast IPA. There's not enough places that make them, but, mm-hmm. um, from the ones I've tried, This is one of my favorites. Um, Summit used to make a really good one, too, the Horizon Red. I don't think they make it um, anymore, but I could be wrong. But, yeah, man, I'll be buying this again. I'll be buying this as long as they keep making it. Um, You want me to give my rating first? Yeah, why don't you? I think I'm going to put Wabasha Brewing's Red Desert IPA at a 4.5 two okay yeah would buy again will buy again will drink
1: again sure um i'm right around that same ballpark i've been i've been getting more dipping my toes more into the west coast stuff again Mm -hmm. um i i got pretty hopped out for a while uh due to drinking a gross amount of bell's two-hearted uh fantastic beer love it but holy shit, just it kind of ruins you to that West Coast, not ruins you, but it's real easy to overdo it on the West Coast style. Um, yeah. But I'm finally kind of getting back into that, and uh, it seems as though, and I could be reading it wrong, that the industry or our local industry is kind of going the same route. Yeah, um, they kind of not calling it for sure, but my prediction is. That we're kind of seeing an end to the hazies for a little bit or we're going to lighten up on the hazies a little bit and maybe get back to um, West Coast a little more. Uh, maybe some lighter styles, some crispier styles, something with a little, you know, carbonation left in it, uh, which I'm all on board for that. I wouldn't be mad about that. Would not be mad. Um, Like, uh, who was it? Arbiter and Bad Habits. They just released a fantastic one um, that I can't remember the name of. Shit, what was it? Something hoop. That cold hop? Yeah, or the... The cold IPA? Yeah. Uh, Which apparently is a buzzword for a lot of people. Uh, Mm -hmm. Cold IPA is supposedly a new style of beer. However fundamentally I guess it is not different at all from an IPL which hmm. I didn't know that um but I mean it's literally a west coast IPA that you cold logger, um or that you lager so it is the same thing but I I would welcome anybody to refute that because I don't know enough about it and I haven't looked into it but apparently those are the exact same thing Cold IPA is just kind of a new
0: term. Interesting. I'm curious if they uh, they do it the same way as like a traditional, um, like the traditional lagering process where it takes, you know, several weeks. You know, it's it's time consuming. Or <laughs> if they're doing it kind of that more popular, modern way that it seems like people have been doing locally here where they use that kvike yeast where they, uh, you can turn out a lager in just like a few weeks basically. It's kind of this fast-acting yeast. I think it, it originally came from, uh, uh, maybe Norway or something like that. And it's kind of this thing where it's like some people are adamantly for it. Some people are, you know, opposed to it. And Purists. then there's kind of this middle ground where it's like, yeah, you can do it, but it's not really a logger at that point. <laughs> it's like a style, you know? Yeah. Uh, we got some elitists out there, you know. I I don't know. I
1: guess I I I would be interested to do like a side by side, um, and see what may, like the main characteristic differences are between yeah. those two. But all I know is this, our uh, beer was fantastic. Oh, so good, crisp, um, light, but still plenty of West Coast flavor, and coming in at like eight and a half percent, which, oof. But real good. Yeah. So, yeah. Again, if the industry decides they want to go that way, I'm all on board that train.
0: Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah.
1: Well, uh, what do you got for this one? Uh, This one, I'm going probably a little higher. I'm going to go like a 4-3 on this one. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Strong um, score. Again, like I've, as, as I went on my little rant, I guess the main takeaway is getting back into West Coast. Yeah. Um, and this beer just hits that spot. I've always loved like an amber or a little more full out, full body, like brown ale, cream ale, something. And this
0: one's just that perfect blend of both. And I just want to throw this out there too. This beer, not this brewery, but this beer has its own slogan that I just want to share with you. Uh, uh Red Desert IPA's slogan is, uh, in a sea of IPAs, come to the desert. And hey. I just kind of love that. So... On that note, uh, we're going to take a quick little break, but we will be right back with some Toy Story 2 fun facts for you. right, stay tuned.
1: Hey, these guys are professionals. They're the best.
0: What's up, everybody? Thanks for sticking with us. We're back talking all things Toy Story 2. And before we get to our next segment, my favorite segment, the fun facts. (laughs) The boy loves his fun facts. I love my fun facts. Who doesn't? Uh, but before we get to that, we have a, another adult beverage to crack hey. open. Because that's, that's kind of a part of this show, too. Um, so this next one that we got here um, is from a brewery that we don't talk about a lot. But actually, our current boss used to work there. Uh, it's Urban Growler Brewing Company out of St. Paul, Minnesota. Basically about as close as you can get to Minneapolis on the St. Paul side. Uh, pretty far over on that uh, that west side um, but yeah they're a pretty solid brewery over there by Bang Brewing Company they both kind of share the little same parking lot but uh, we are drinking their Cowbell Cream Ale uh, and this is a new one to me and also worth noting it is Minnesota's first uh, women owned brewery so well, that's very exciting very cool um yeah i haven't made it over to
1: urban growler um they're always i mean i always hear about them um i've heard they've got very good food mm-hmm. which i always love when they do that i don't know how that works with their distribution like i don't know which liquor law they file under um because yeah that. This is what the three different liquor law or liquor laws for breweries or three different liquor licenses you can have. Yeah. Um, and one of the main ones for like a brew pub, like uh, Herkimer was, R.I.P. Herkimer, um, was you can have a full bar and you can brew your own beer and you can serve food, but you can't distribute. So these guys seem to be in that ballpark of, you yeah, somewhere in between. Unless they have both businesses, like, running separately, but technically, or technically separate, but for all intents and purposes.
0: It almost kind of seems like a non-franchised Granite City. Hmm. Right? It's okay. like, I don't think you can get a shot of whiskey at Granite City. i be almost certain you could. Really? Do they have a full bar? I gotta imagine. I thought their thing was just that they brewed their own beer and they made food. Pretty sure Granite City's a brew pub. Because you can't buy Granite City beer elsewhere. Oh, that's true, yeah, because then there's the whole brew pub thing where you can, like, serve your own beer and whiskey and make food. Yeah, that's, like, what Herkimer was. Okay. Um, I didn't realize they had hard liquor,
1: too. I'm pretty sure they do. And huh. I only say that because one of our regulars, uh, <laughs> Mr. Gardner, loves Granite City, loves going there. Um, and I can't, I mean... Maybe, maybe he only drinks beer there too, but like, yeah, it seems like he likes to get turned up a little bit there when he goes. Yeah, could be. Could be. But, I digress.
0: Well, what do you say we, uh, we get to some fun facts, it's Nathan? Eric's fun facts, fun facts, fun
1: facts, fun facts. Dun, dun,
0: dun, dun. Um, yeah. So our first fun fact is a little, uh, little callback on something I was talking about earlier. The, uh the, um, podcast, uh, shoot, drawing a blank on the name here. Uh, the villain was right. Um, they kind of talked about, uh, uh, stinky Pete in a way that I didn't really think of. He, in my mind was kind of the biggest villain in this movie outside of Al. And I kind of felt that way even after my first watch through and their stance on him was kind of like, Hey, Woody's entering his world. He's kind of the, you know, unofficial protector of Jesse. And he knows her story. Woody doesn't know her story. And he's trying to, come on, come with me, you know, join my gang. And, you know, we don't know at the time, but a little bit of uh, uh, Stinky Pete's angst that he has towards Woody is coming from a place of, no, she's already, she's already been abandoned. She's already felt what you're about to feel the emotions you're about to go through An abandoned toy. Like she knows that. And like, you got lucky that you wound up here. You didn't have to deal with all the BS she did kind of thing. Um, and after seeing that, I was kind of like, damn, they're right. But he still sucks. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Like you can give him some benefits of the doubt, but like he also reveals his very specific laid out grievances with, Children in general and wanting to be mint condition, like that was kind of his thing that I think people didn't pick up. Uh, he
0: wanted to be left in his box, true, yeah, very true. Um, so our next fun fact also comes from a, another podcast that talked about the Toy Story franchise, um, Unspooled, where they go through AFI's top 100 films, uh, hosted by comedian Paul Shear and LA Weekly. Head film critic Amy Nicholson, and they did an interview with Annie Potts, who was the uh, voice of Bo Peep, and character we don't hear from a lot, and she offered some interesting tidbits about this film, which was her, um, you know, she had a little bit of an absence in the series, she was gone, she was not written into Toy Story 3, and then comes back and plays a a pivotal part in 4. But uh, she kind of talked about, they asked her, like, you know, how many versions of the script she was getting through, uh, you know, production. And she's like, what script? She's like, that that was not a thing. And that kind of, you know, reinforces what we talked about in our previous episode of how they kind of write these movies on the fly. Um, she also mentioned, they asked her, like, if she had any cool Tom Hanks stories or Tim Allen stories, you know, cool stories of, you know, time on set and she's like no like that's not how Pixar works like I didn't we're not around each other on set like I've met these people a few times doing awards and press and media but like when you're called in to like read for a Pixar movie you're reading with like maybe one or two people it's like you and the director maybe you got a producer or a script supervisor but it's like you usually don't have a full script you kind of have a character outline and then you got a few lines that they want you to read a hundred times with a hundred different inflections you know and i just thought that was such an interesting uh process that kind of goes against everything that we're taught in the film world Hmm. i'd love to see what like if you're like reading the same
1: line over and over um you know obviously it's somebody's job to save these lines in file in a file format or a labeling system where you could easily find them. Right. And I would love to see what that person's labeling system is. Like, <sighs> Like, how do you... Like, there's got to be a shorthand for just one line with a bunch of different inflections. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, can't just save it as Bo Peep's line
0: 802. Oh, man, yeah, an the editor that has to listen to those lines, you know thousand different times and try to figure out the best one oh yeah sounds nauseating exactly not a project i'd like to work on yeah but i digress uh our next fun fact is did you know that toy story 2 was originally going to be a direct-to-video sequel so this is a weird one um but i found this fact uh, a number of sources uh, basically Disney wanted to cut costs, and they were pushing Pixar to deliver an hour-long product that they could kind of push as a uh, direct-to-VHS thing at the time. And part of that came just with uh, constraints with the studio being fresh off of Bug's Life and just, you know, a shortage of resources and money and a number of things. But they kind of saw how good the product of toy story two looked so far and uh it sounded like the pixar crew kind of stood their ground and was like no we need to make this uh, a feature-length thing well and disney i mean like you think about
1: all like the big or a lot of the big disney movies like um you know pocahontas that had a direct to vhs sequel um lion king same thing um beauty and the beast had one who else had one i would assume yeah aladdin had like i think two but like each one of even disney's own very big original movies almost always number two went direct to vhs
0: and even those like i think there's always kind of this stigma of direct to video like uh you know people kind of turn their nose up to it but like disney was putting out some good like direct to video content granted it wasn't garnering the same kind of you know Obviously, there's no box office money, but it was getting a lot of money um, from like distribution sales, and I mean they were kind of a juggernaut in the end of that that VHS industry, and even into DVD. You remember the old like coming soon on Disney DVD <laughs> to own or whatever, like yep. those ads that you used to see. I mean, before you'd watch a Disney movie like Finding Nemo on DVD, you'd watch twelve ads, eight ads for other disney movies that they want you to buy yep you know they they were the king of that oh they were
1: good at it because like they had you own the movies so clearly you're their target audience so they're just gonna pump you full of the ads they want that they know you'd probably respond to yep yeah um but yeah it uh it is weird though because yeah i almost always just oh is direct to movie or direct to vhs or direct to tv like Who cares? Um, But yeah, I don't know. And I will say most of the Disney directed-to-VHS movies, like the sequels, were not very good.
0: Yeah, and I guess it's worth noting, too, for fans of the character Jessie, um, she was not going to be in the direct-to-video release. Um, The whole kind of... That whole character and their side story was kind of totally written out of it. I don't know what the, the full draft for the direct video version was but i know it was a 60 minute um version of a very stripped down toy story 2
1: i guess you could potentially cut out most of like the basically you can be like oh
0: woody's roundup i'm sure all those other side characters get cut yeah that would make sense yeah but i'm glad it turned out the way it did and i think it's fair to say that toy story 3 may have not happened had toy story 2 been a direct to video you mm-hmm. know um our next fact is uh, the scene where we've got Ham frantically clicking through the channels, trying <laughs> to catch the uh, Al's Toy Barn ad. Um, the other shows that you're actually seeing him click through are a number of Pixar shorts. So,
1: kind of a fun Which, little fact. I'll say if they got to show a whole bunch of little videos right in a row, <laughs>
0: they already got them. Yeah, I think uh, Tin Toys on there, and so is. Um, Oh man, I'm drawing a blank on the name. It's uh, I think it's Knick Knack, the the tin toy, or not the 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 snow globe one. Oh, sure, snowman. I think it's Knick Knack. Um, I know those are both in that little sequence, but yeah, Pixar. They're plugging their own material. Masters, very self-serving. Love it. Um, this is also kind of a fun fact that calls back to uh one of ours from last week. So. The scene where Woody is seeing all the Woody's Roundup uh, memorabilia, that whole setup, the show, all that for the first time, um, that was all a genuine reaction by Tom Hanks. Again, it goes back to him really being a big ad-libber and um, you know, have a, having a good enough rapport with the producers to kind of have the freedom to do that. Basically, they gave him a number of items, to simulate the items that we saw on screen. And that scene was just kind of him in the booth interacting with, you know, what it would be like if he saw his likeness on a record, his likeness on a lunchbox, his likeness on a, you know, he plays with that little, uh, little six shooter thing or whatever, you know, has a bullseye fetch it. Oh yeah, yeah, the snake in my boot. The snake in my boot. Uh, yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, man, it's just, I hard pressed to find like anything on tom hanks that makes me dislike the guy (laughs) he's like i i'm knocking on
1: wood but i really it feels as though like it's impossible it really does like every time i see tom hanks in the news it's like oh here's another good thing that he did cool thanks tom one of the best yep yeah,
0: if you got any uh, Tom Hanks dirt, email us at uh, sudspudspod at gmail.com. We'd, we'd hate to know. Or or email us at dirt at
1: sudsbuds.com at gmail.com. Backslash it's, TMZ. Exactly. It
0: is a very real email. Please send all of your things to it. All right. All right. Well, moving along. Um, this might be the craziest fact of them all. Uh, we'll see. The entire film was almost lost. Like, deleted. Like, this almost didn't happen. Like, operator error. Uh, So, basically, the story goes, uh, an animator accidentally put an erasing code in a place where they shouldn't have, and the film was almost deleted. Actually, for a period of time, it was deleting itself, or parts of it. Um, I guess uh, co-founder of Pixar... Uh, Edwin Catmull once explained quote first Woody's hat disappeared then his boots then he disappeared entirely whole sequences poof they were deleted from the drive rebuilding the film would have taken 30 people a solid year had they lost the whole thing so that's incredible but fortunately um they had someone uh, come through this uh fella that was the supervising tech director, her name was Galen Seussman, they'd been working from home due to having a baby and uh, they'd constantly been bringing copies of the updated film home to work on it so had it not been for one superhero of a overachieving <laughs> supervising tech director they would have lost it because they also said that they didn't have any other backups at Pixar Um, I guess the system was apparently down throughout most of the late nineties and you know, it's not the kind of shit that even someone from their place, you don't just buy another one like that. I mean, Mm -mm. when, when you're dealing with one of a kind, Steve jobs tech, it's like you, you fix it. You don't really just build another one mid production. That's not, that's not a feasible thing. Um, and yeah, they, they made it work somehow, and it sounds like this whole project was more or less saved by by one person, which is insane. Well, cheers to,
1: cheers to what was it, Galen?
0: Galen, yeah. Oops. I think that's the pronunciation, but.
1: Well, uh, cheers to her and her baby, because without those two, we'd probably not have that. I, I don't, like, you ever have a project that you, like, lose halfway through and you're just like that's it dude yeah yeah i was
0: i was totally just about to say like i can relate to that so hard like where you're just editing something and you lose like a whole track of of in-camera audio or you lose like you know uh uh, something just unlinks and you think that you just set yourself back like hours upon hours days of work um yeah it's there's certain
1: points in the process where like you lose like you you end up falling back like an hour or two hours and you almost become completely unmotivated to work on it for days. Yeah. Because you're like, Oh my God, I have to do this shit again.
0: It's no different than like getting really far into a video game back in the day Yep, and dying and wishing you'd saved and you didn't. And then you're just like, you don't even like slam your controller or anything. You just you get up, you shut it off, you put it in a drawer, and you put close the drawer, and you just don't play that exactly. game. Sometimes for like 20 years. Yep. It's just the worst feeling. Um, Man, I just, I, I'm trying to picture that from an animation standpoint, where you're completely rendering a one-of-a-kind figure, and you're having it do all these, you know, thousands of motions and movements, and and all of a sudden things just start disappearing. Can you imagine how panic-inducing that would be?
1: Like the first time, you'd be like, "Wait a second! Isn't isn't there supposed to be something here?" And they're just gone. And then you reopen the, you close the file, you reopen the file, and it's still gone. Yeah, I would like to know though what. Um, so it said Woody's boots disappeared. Did they did they render Woody's feet? Like are they? Like is Woody just going? Uh,
0: you know, Jimmy Buffett shoes in the or feet in the sand. Yeah, I'm curious from an animation standpoint, but I would imagine that the feet would be one of the more important uh, things to render. Maybe one of the first things you'd want to render because that's everything else attached. That's kind of going to track with that. You yeah, know? you can anchor it right there. Yeah,
1: um, I'm sure like none of the lighting effects were on anything, but
0: yeah, yeah, <sighs> that'd be fun. I know nothing about that world, but just just reading that, I was like, it gave me chills. I was like, I felt, <laughs> I felt somebody I didn't know. Somebody who I I probably mispronounced their name wrong, Galen. And I'm like, man, I feel for you so much. (laughs) Like, you're a hero. But, uh, yeah, it was saved and all was good. But uh, this next fact ties right into computers. Uh, The character Wheezy, who I've been constantly calling Squeaky throughout this. Uh, (laughs) That character was likely a reference to the Linux mascot. Um, So Wheezy is a penguin. The Linux mascot at the time, and I think still to this day, is mm-hmm. uh, Penguin, but was very prominently featured at that time. And was also um, kind of the go-to uh, operating system for animators, digital animators. Um, so a lot of people speculate that that was kind of a uh, an inside thing. And also the fact that one of the writers, animators, later on a co-director uh, of, I think, Cars, maybe, uh, was the voice of... Uh, Wheezy. I think that probably pushes it that yeah, it was probably a yep. an inside nerd or joke. Like, like they had
1: to they had to get some character and like they knew it was gonna be a one off character anyway, so they didn't really care. Or no one high up high up enough really gave a shit what it was. So they go, oh, what about a penguin? Gotta click on this penguin every day.
0: How big of a nerd do you have to be as an adult to be putting Linux jokes into children's films? <laughs> but I, I love it. Yep. I love it. Like,
1: uh, yeah, I'd be interested to see how much stuff they plug that they don't own. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, um, yeah, like, with all the Pixar shorts, like, plugging that, um, all the different Spielberg references throughout the entire damn movie.
0: Ooh, we'll get into a bunch
1: of those in just a second. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, Pixar or Spielberg is, you know, a big part of Pixar, so, like, that all makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, So the next one here, uh, there's a line that is given by probably one of my favorite characters in the movie. It's uh, tour guide Barbie. And she's driving the crew, uh, Sans, Woody, and real Buzz might not be with him at the time either. They might have fake Buzz. Yeah, they got fake Buzz. Um, But they're driving through the aisles of the toy store and she's kind of giving them a lowdown on everything. Uh, and she has a line of dialogue where she goes, In 1995, short-sighted retailers did not order enough dolls to meet demand when talking about the Buzz Lightyear figures. And that was actually an inside joke. Um, When Toy Story 2 was coming out and they were doing all the press for that and the big commercial rollout happened, they really upped the ante with, I think, Mattel, who had the licensing to the majority of those toys. Because when the first movie came out, they did not anticipate all these original characters being such a hit. And not just that, but it like caused a resurgence in a sale of toys that had you know previously been on the decline, almost obsolete. Like we talked about uh, Etch-A-Sketch in the previous episode. He's so, got a
1: big part in this one too. I love, love when they bring Etch-A-Sketch on screen because it's just like
0: some goofy shit that the toys are up to. It's a character that you can do so much with like it's like yeah. a ball of or like a, a ball of clay basically it's like play-doh you know what I mean like you can just make her say anything yep. without saying anything exactly so uh, yeah little uh, little inside dialogue uh, thing there kind of mirrored real life um, our next fact here is kind of a sad one uh, Tim Allen and Tom Hanks actually both cried the first time they heard uh, jesse's scene together where we have the uh sarah mclaughlin original Mm. song that montage even hit those guys in the heart they were watching their own movie and you know they were (laughs) i'm just picturing tim allen and tom hanks just in like a a viewing suite just crying in each other's arms (laughs) it's a great
1: great (laughs) mental image. it's a great mental image just a bunch of sweethearts
0: Had to include that one. Had to include
1: it. I I, I brought it up while we were watching it. um, But, like, curious how many kids, like, saw that movie and they just went home and, like, pity played with their toys. Like, you know, as a kid, you, like, see that kind of stuff. You're like, oh, my God, what if that's real? And then you, like, feel bad for
0: your toys that are sitting in your room. I popped so hard when you said that. We were watching it just before we sat down to record today and you were just like, there was just a moment where, like, after that scene, it was during it. It was during it. Like Sarah McLaughlin's playing. You're like, I wonder how many kids pity played with their toys after watching this. <laughs> and I'm like, man, this is one of those reasons I wish we were going to watch along right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, nonetheless, probably a lot. Probably yeah, a lot. I, I almost, I probably did. Like, oh
1: <laughs> shit, my toys feel neglected as hell right now.
0: Yeah, man, I gotta go home. He man hasn't been to Castle Grayskull in like two years. <laughs> shit. Mom, load up the Capri Suns. It's gonna be a long day. Exactly. Skeletor's getting his arse kicked. Put a pot of Kool-Aid on. (laughs) It's gonna be a long (laughs) Uh, night. So, I like Randy Newman. I know you sort of have feelings about Randy Newman. Feelings. But uh, international viewers actually got a little more Randy Newman than the U.S. viewers. So. There's a scene where Buzz gives a speech in front of an American flag and it's a pretty hefty, like, American, like, propaganda, like, come together, like, we're, we're going to get this done. Yeah, yep. you, unite for the greater good. Um, Very much feels like something out of a World War II movie or something. <laughs> you have the, the American flag and the national anthem plays softly in the background. But, you know. That probably doesn't play as well when you're not from here. Mm-hmm. Duh. So, they, uh, international versions had a Randy Newman original called One World Anthem, which I believe also appears on the soundtrack for the film. So, okay. Kind of cool. i give that a listen. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> does it make me patriotic or unpatriotic to say that this Randy Newman song is probably way cooler than the national anthem? <laughs> Was it the national anthem playing, or was it... I feel like it was... I don't know. Maybe it was. I don't know what it would have been, but it I think did... I'm almost positive it is. I could be. I think it's, like, the last few notes, like... Bum, 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 bum. I think that's, like, what we're getting. I
1: could be. Maybe not. Well, and it plays perfectly into... Because then, like, that scene cuts to the um, the apartment where they're watching, like, 50s TV. Yeah. Um, and Like, he's watching reruns of, or falling asleep, or Al is falling asleep to, like, early 50s TV, because it's, you know, it's all black and white, and it's like, and this concludes our daily broadcast, and then it switches to static, where TV wasn't just on all the time, there wasn't always something happening, like, TV was on, and then late at night it was off, there was nothing being broadcast. And so, like, it was kind of a cool play into that because I'd assume that's how most things ended at that time was, like, a little national anthem, a little, like, basically a wrap-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it just cuts and it was static. Like, it was kind of a cool scene. Like, Al, like, back to that seeing it from the villain's perspective, other than stealing Woody, like, Al is, I mean, the dude owns a toy store, right? Right. Clearly likes toys. Big collector. He's got a collector's car. He's got all this Roundup Woody shit, and he's watching TV like on a fifty seat, like trying to like go
0: back in time. He's like the unofficial fifth Pawn Star. Yeah, exactly. He's just um... a sleazy, lazy dude that's got way too much money. Like, are we gonna get canceled by the Pawn Stars? You know, I think we're probably gonna get canceled because like doubling down on my. Maybe unpatriotism here. I think when I just hummed, what I thought were the final notes to the the national anthem, I definitely it was it was definitely America the Beautiful that I had mm. in my head. So, man, I'm I'm Ugh. screwing up here, but uh-huh. at least I outed myself before somebody else could out me, and commie, I think that's what you, I'm, commie bastard.
2: <laughs>
0: <sighs> I'm canceling you. I'm I'm. I'm admitting to my faults here. Mm. I'm sorry. I can do better. I'll do better. With this next fun fact, <laughs> uh, did you know it was the final Toy Story film to be released on VHS? I guess it kind of checks out. Nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, because it it
1: took like the these first two didn't come out too far in between. I mean, it was a couple years, but I I kind of imagine the gap between two and three was a pretty big gap. Yeah, like I I have memories of like the first time I saw three, you know, as a kid, first time you see a movie you might not remember, but like you remember the movie, like I remember seeing Toy Story three, like in a theater, I remember the theater. Sure. So like a little more. Yeah. So it's much more of a recent thing. Um, and four is kind of the same
2: way but yeah. uh, no i agree that, that
0: tracks pretty big gap between 2 and 3 yeah um it was also this kind of a sad one it was the last toy story to feature the voice of jim varney who is known uh comedian from uh his famous ernest from the ernest film series uh ernest goes to blank <laughs> <laughs> uh ernest goes to fill in the blank <laughs> yeah he, uh, he was unfortunately not doing so well at this time, and he ended up passing away on February 10th of the year 2000, right after this film was released, but on kind of a cool lighter note, um, his character Slinky does still reappear in the final two films, or the next two films, um, and his voice is uh, replaced by that of Blake Clark, who is actually a good friend of his, so... He's basically got a a good buddy of his that kind of stepped in and is still continuing the legacy of that character doing a a version of his friend's voice. Which the, I thought was sweet. That is kind of cool.
1: You know, Eric, if you pass away, I'll do I'll continue on the podcast and I'll do your voice.
0: Oh no, if I'm gone tomorrow, Dustin gets his spot back. Shit. It becomes a one-man show. <laughs> <laughs> like it's kind of one of those things is like I I don't care if we get canceled after after I'm dead. You know, like... Sure. Once I'm gone, drive it into the ground. I just don't <laughs> want you to keep it because I feel like you'll keep it co- too clean. I kind of um, want to, like... You want to get a little risky with it. Yeah, I want to be yeah. off in the distance like watching the fire burn.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> like that
1: Elmo meme. Exactly. Just the, <laughs> the arms up, buildings burning around him. But the buildings are suds, bud. Exactly. Changes it to suds, bud. <laughs> The lone one. Oh, I love it. The, the podcast where I talk about beer.
0: That's it. <laughs> he probably wouldn't even talk about beer. He'd probably just uh uh shill lifting regiments. Oh uh, that's quite classic him. I love you, Dustin. <laughs> Miss you, man. <laughs> Got a hilarious message from him today that I gotta I'll talk to you about it off air. But, okay. uh... Excellent. Looking forward to that. <laughs> And with that, we're going to a Case of mistaken identity. Ah. Yeah. Um, So our next fact here, uh, in the Korean dub of the film, the toy museum is actually located in Seoul, South Korea, rather than Japan. And the reason for this uh, little tweak in the writing was because of the... uh, They were trying to avoid reference to Japan in the South Korean release at the time due to... Some cultural conflict going on between uh, the South Koreans and the Japanese. So, yeah, little tweak there in writing, huh? Yeah, it's like a thing no one else had probably considered, but they're like,
1: eh, "What if we didn't?" Though,
0: yeah, it's weird when you think about like how big of a just a monster, like I mean, a monster in size. I'm not talking about the evils of Hollywood right now, but how big Hollywood is, um, and you know, like. People watch American cinema everywhere, but there's like, we we sometimes don't think about the tweaks that are made, the things that we see that international audiences uh, don't see, or on the flip side, things that others might see outside of the U.S. that aren't included in the films domestically. Like, for example, a, a completely new original song. Yeah. So... We we got shorted a Randy Newman song.
2: I'm not Damn. sure how I feel. But Damn like, it! I feel on, really on, bummed.
1: On one hand, got mixed feelings about Randy Newman. On the other hand, I don't like things being kept from me. <laughs> little uh, Nate's got a little <laughs> FOMO with uh, with Randy Newman. <laughs> That's
0: a statement I never thought I would agree with, but sure, yes. <laughs> Uh, so this is going to be the last of our fun facts here, but I'm just going to roll through a bunch of uh, movie references that were made in Toy Story 2, and it's pretty apparent that the people involved in the production of this movie were big action movie fans. Uh, so right off the bat, we've got Battlestar Galactica with the the evil robot peasants of Emperor Zurg, I guess you could say. then um, we've got 2001 A Space Odyssey, the theme. That can be heard in the opening scene where Buzz is jumping across the pads. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Exactly. Love it. Um, We got a nice little Jurassic Park reference um, when Rex is getting left behind and they spot him in the side mirror chasing (laughs) down the car. Um, Also, fun fact, Wayne Knight, also in Jurassic Park. Uh, Also in Seinfeld. Well, along with Miss Potato Head. There you go. There yep. you go. We did our research. Oh, yeah. Um, we've got an Empire Strikes back reference, a number of Star Wars references, but Zerg we find out that Zerg is Buzz's dad. <laughs> weird. Yep. We- uh, weird vibes. Never yeah. brought up again. No, maybe in the TV series. The I'm sure that comes up.
1: I was actually looking for that um after our episode last week. I think it's on Disney Plus. It's not. Really? Yeah, they haven't put it on there yet. Interesting. And it's bothering the hell out of me. Because you know how Disney is with their IPs. And so...
0: It ain't anywhere It ain't else. anywhere.
1: <laughs> and, again, I don't like things being kept for me. If I want to watch it... You know how hard it was for me to track down Jackie Chan Adventures? That old Jackie Chan cartoon? Yeah. Real hard. But I found them. I found them all. Watched like two seasons. Got bored.
0: Went away. But... It i will track this down i'm gonna throw this out there it kind of sucks but when it comes down to that kind of stuff sometimes the best way is throw a search into ebay and you can probably find like if it's under five seasons Mm -hmm. you can find that entire box set for like 10 bucks
1: yeah although now i think those people realize like the people that have them they realize
0: oh this isn't on any streaming service so yeah I did just get my dad some crazy, like, Lord of the Rings Blu-ray collector's set that looks like a book, you know. Got him the Return of the King one for his birthday, Mm -hmm. like, because he really wanted it, because he's got the other two. And they look really cool in a line, but, like, got it dirt cheap. And, like, that thing was, like, probably 60 bucks at Best Buy when it came out. (laughs) And, you know. But I guess that's one of those where Lord of the Rings is probably available quite a few places. Yeah, exactly. You can watch Lord of the Rings pretty much anywhere. It's not as precious. No. (laughs) Heh. nice yeah i don't even S- like that movie and i know how it works it's speaking a long of, walk speaking of sick references bro <laughs> yeah speaking of sick references uh we got a james bond reference and i know we like james bond here <laughs> yeah um yeah mr potato head or <clears throat> excuse me potato head uh <laughs> throws his hat just like odd job uh from the 007 films to uh i believe Tries to make it out a door, but it stops a door so they no, can get through. No, he tries to stop the door. So he got it where he wanted it. I thought he was trying to get
1: it out the door. No, he was trying to block the door so they could make it through. And then he, like, jumps up to get the hat. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, Cause Who were they chasing at the ta- that time? Was it the luggage case? Uh, no, they were trying to get out of the toy store. You're right. Think. That's what it was. Yeah. Or right. No, they are getting out of the, the front door of Al's apartment. Mm, yeah 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 because yep. like they made it all the way down
0: through the elevator so those big that. heavy double doors yeah yep thanks nate yeah happy to help um and our final kind of like hollywood action movie uh reference in here was a raiders of the lost ark reference this one probably a little looser but the scene where woody's trying to uh get his uh arm back from uh from al he, uh, that was very similar to the scene where Indy's trying to get the idol without triggering the darts in that film. And yeah. this one, yeah, there's a bunch of cheese puffs on the ground when he's trying to not step on them. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, that scene, I think, also is another one where they were really pushing the the animation capabilities of the time. As well as one more that I actually forgot to mention. This is actually the official last fun fact. Okay. But the scene with the cleaner. Which we haven't mentioned yet, that we both Ooh, love, where loves he comes that in. that scene. So that, that character's name is Jerry. I think he's uh, credited as the cleaner in this film. But he is actually in the short, I think it's called Jerry's Game. But it's one where he's um he's basically playing himself in chess. It's a Pixar short, one of the old ones that they used to uh, show before the films. And I think that one actually was before Bug's Life. Um, that, yeah. I think you're right. Came out on that DVD with it maybe later. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Jerry, the chess player, is actually the guy that uh, stitches Woody up in this movie. And there's even a reference to the old short when he pulls out his kit. And uh, he's got some <laughs> chess pieces in one of the drawers. So I love that scene. The The music, the... Yeah, well, just like all the, like
1: like... When you're seeing miniatures of, like, things you know what they are, and he's got, like, the... Like almost like a dentist chair, like pulled up. He flips a little headrest for Woody to sit on. it has got the air compressor on the side. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, as the one with the best haircut in the studio, I appreciate a good <laughs> barber's <laughs> chair. And uh, seeing like a three-inch barber's chair with a little toy action figure in it, it's a, it's adorable. Um, Not as adorable as a giant barber's chair with the with the me in with it with an Eric in it.
1: Um, yeah, Eric. Uh, Eric got a haircut today and um, yesterday. He uh he looks as though he's got the personality of um Dolph Lundgren in Rocky Four, is it three or four? Uh, be four, Nate. Okay, well Rocky Four, like the 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 big Russian guy that Rocky's got to fight that looks like he has next to no personality. That that's Eric's haircut to me. He's got like the pidgeotto sides, you know, where it's like shaved on the side and it's very on top.
0: I yeah. feel not only lighter, but faster. Mm, well, Very aerodynamic. Well, at least you feel that way. <laughs> Got them. There's so many things I want to say, but we're keeping it clean here. <laughs> uh, or trying to. Yeah. Before we go to our beer reviews and take a little break, I just want to thank our sources, or more or less cite our sources. I don't have to thank you. Um most of our info that we gave you just now comes from Screen Rant, uh, Pixar Fandom Wiki, Mental Floss, The Villain Was Right, Podcast, and Unspooled. So, if you like Toy Story or you like cinema, go ahead and check those things out. They probably got some fun facts you didn't know about. it. Um, but yeah, before we break, we're going to take things back to beer here. So, uh, you know... Going along on the theme of Western things, we got a beer here from Urban Growler, the Cowbell Cream Ale. It's got a cow on it. It, It's Western. Al's Toy Barn. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, and also a nice little middle refresher beer. It's a little lighter. Yes. Do you need a little? I'll, I'll take a little top off, a little refresher
1: myself here. Um, but no, I I like this cream ale. Um, yeah, it is. It's just a cream ale. Like it, they did a good job at. Really nailing in, honing in that style. Um, uh, what I do love about cream Ales is that it's pretty straightforward on like customizing or not customizing, but like making variants of
0: it. You can do a lot of and, stuff with it, yeah. yeah.
1: And this this one is definitely leaves itself open to that. Like it's an excellent base, um, and yeah, they could do tons of stuff with this beer. Um, for me, I'm probably gonna give it like a I'm gonna give it a three point five. Or they like it. Um, cream ale's don't tend. to... Ah, I shouldn't say that. I love Castle Danger cream ale, um, but yeah, it's just a well-rounded, true to style beer. So yeah, three and a half for me.
0: I think I'm gonna be right in there with you. I think um, what I like about it is it's light, it's approachable, it's a beer where if I worked at Urban Growler, it's a beer for someone who. Likes craft beer, and for someone who's also maybe new to it, I think it'd be an easy sell for them, I imagine. Um, as far as maybe my only knocks against it are, there's nothing incredibly standoutish about it. It's kind of just, I hate to say bland, but it kind of is. Um, it is what it is. Yep. It's nothing that I'm gonna remember about this experience drinking this beer that's gonna make me remember to buy it again, probably. Um, and the, the artwork I think on all their beers is just kind of, um, oh. not only simple, but just kind of flat, you know, I, it kind of lacks a, a texture, a dimension to it.
1: It's, um, they, they went with a very uniform thing, um, which uh, it's easy to pick their beers out of a lineup, but yeah,
0: I don't know. Uh,
1: they're not my favorite. Yeah, not my favorite labels,
0: but I will say it's not a bad beer. And the fact that it is in the same city as me and it's women owned. I mean, those are reasons enough for me to absolutely um, support them again. Um, Again, just not the best cream ale I've tried. So all that being said, I'm putting it at a three to would buy again, would drink again, but it's not going to be at the top of my list.
1: Yeah. Wouldn't
0: go out of my way for it, but I'd for sure buy it. Agreed. Well, all that being said, uh, we're going to take a little break here, and we will be right back for our final segment, the music of Toy Story 2. So stay tuned, everybody.
3: You really are Stinky Pete, aren't you?
0: What's up, everybody? We are back. Suds Buds presents Pints and Pixar the podcast where we talk about the films of our childhood over an adult beverage, and we are finishing up with the music of Toy Story 2 over an adult beverage.
1: Uh, For our last segment, we've got a beer from Indeed Brewing. Uh, We've got Old Breed, a bourbon barrel-aged barley wine ale. It's not quite a barley wine, just barley wine style. Um,
0: bourbon barrel aged barley wine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Just ale, like that. Ale. The secrets in the barrel. <laughs> secrets in the barrel. And that's a slogan on the can. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. this one's got a slogan too. Oh, yeah, I gotta have a slogan. Love it. I say we only drink beers with slogans from here on out. I like that. <laughs> uh, this one's coming in at a 9.9 ABV, 50 Whew. IBU, which no, doesn't really mean any. IBU notes. I, I. It's a weird measurement that doesn't really mean anything to me
0: anymore. We're not going to get into yeah, semantics. Yeah. Oh,
1: fine, fine. Um, but yeah, I've I have had this one before. Uh, one of our old brewers, Ben, uh, recently got a job at Indeed. Um, brought a little sampler over for us, so we have nice. to try this one. Uh, Eric wasn't there for that, so well, this is his first time with it.
0: Yeah, I was busy doing cool haircut guy stuff. I guess <laughs> probably, obviously
1: plotting out your betrayal yeah
0: playing apex legends and shooting a longbow i
1: actually might have to redo your icon for suds no no i got you with the hat on you'll be all right yeah
0: change my eyes from brown to blue actually (laughs) i will not
1: (laughs) i i sent i started or when i was changing the logo i went into an old file that i just had the brown in there as a placeholder but it's done
0: now i don't know what you want me to do I mean, I'm just a blue-eyed guy, but clearly when it comes to my digital rendering, you just want me to be your brown-eyed girl. <laughs> we've we've all seen it. Sure. Check yeah. our Instagram. All right.
1: Uh, check, yeah, check our Instagram. Um. You just touched my feet. Well, you're my brown-eyed girl. <laughs> yeah. That's called a callback.
0: I'm getting uncomfortable. Can we drink this beer? Yeah, yeah. I guess we <laughs> can drink this beer. All right. And uh, did we talk about why we're drinking this one?
1: Uh, well, it's called Old Breed. Uh, there's a horse on it. It's got a horse. <laughs> it's got a horse. Uh, a got horse a, on got the got a nice little western theme to it. And Old Breed, that's uh, kind of the whole thing with Woody and the Jesse and Stinky Pete. Cole's Eye, is they're the old breed of toys.
0: Well, who is the old breed in this movie, though? What
1: are you talking about who is the old breed in this movie?
0: Well, because, I mean, in the eyes of the audience, the old breed is the gang. Toy Story no, One. No, 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 no,
1: no, I, I feel you're you're trying to be a devil's advocate here. The old breed is the old toys going to the museum.
0: <sighs> I don't know. When I think of old breed, I think of OGS. When I think of OGS, I think of wise wisdom, street smarts, the kind of people you go to to learn lessons about life. And I think we we saw pretty quick that you know maybe Stinky Pete and Jesse and 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 Bullseye were were old in a sense but didn't mean they had any street smarts i mean andy's toys got around the the real world much better than oh, jesse got a straight up
1: abandoned was a the whole sarah mclaughlin song about
0: it yeah cause she clearly couldn't make it in the real world
1: <laughs> i think that's what it's all about she wasn't a fun enough toy it's a song about failure that's why it's so sad whoo i think you're getting i think we are getting canceled today you out here victim blaming
0: christ <laughs> just ruining children's exactly. movies for people
1: Jesus, Eric. Someone's got to do it. Well, I guess. Welcome to Suds Puds, the, uh, the show where we ruin your childhood. <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Mm. Yep. Oh, man. What I like about this one is that it's a it's got all that flavor of barley wine, but without that heaviness, that almost syrupiness that a lot of barley wines tend to have.
0: Yeah, Toy Story 3 had way too much barley wine for me.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, Eric's going to take
0: this one again.
3: <laughs> Ass.
0: No, I, I like it, man. It's good. It's good. It's very... Uh, I think that, that bourbon barrel aging gives it a nice woodiness. Ooh. I could really go ham on this one, you know? <laughs>
1: Kind of catching a buzz. Yeah, Oof, I'm just gonna try to get. I'm gonna try to get all these out before you can even get one. Out.
0: I have a few too many, and you're gonna be uh, to infinity and beyond, or or Mr. Potato Head.
1: Damn it. Okay. <laughs> all
0: right. At first, it was bad. You
1: tied in. That was good. Um, getting. Uh, if this, this
0: was vodka, we'd be a couple of potato heads.
1: There it is. Um, this beer might get you wrecks.
0: We're good. We're good. (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah, that's right. Slink off, pal. (sighs) There
0: it is. I said we're good. We're good. We're talking music now. (laughs) Uh, So the accompanying soundtrack for Toy Story 2 contained 20 tracks, and uh, they were all written by Randy Newman. Friggin' Randy. Just just throwing that out there, reinforcing the fact that this dude is a legend. I mean... Again, I...
1: It's not that I hate Randy Newman. Um, there's just something. There's,
0: I have unresolved feelings. I think we're just discovering that if you had a childhood in the 90s, Randy Newman's a part of it. <laughs> like Whether you like him or not, you he, like Randy Newman's songs.
1: Yep, he was there. Randy Newman has had an impact on you.
0: He's got a friend in you.
1: <laughs> Weird way to phrase that.
0: All right. Um... So, the soundtrack it ended up peaking at 111, 111 on the US Billboard 200. Um, the Woody's Roundup song was performed by an old Western band, old country band, Riders in the Sky, but that song was actually written by Randy Newman as well. Um, so, yeah, there's a number of songs, or a couple songs on the soundtrack um, performed by other artists, but they were all written by Randall Newman. Um, so yeah, Woody's Roundup was the first of those original tunes. The second one we hear is When She Loved Me, the sad song of the film. That's the Sarah McLaughlin song. Uh, you probably know her from really Very Sad Dog Ads. Yep. And that's Real about s- it. Real sad. Yeah. She's a she's a, a sad Norwegian gal with a, 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 a great voice. A great voice, but very sad.
1: What do you think it's like being Sarah McLaughlin where all of your most famous stuff just makes people sad?
0: Probably pretty sad. <laughs> Probably <laughs> very sad. And being from Norway, I mean, I, I, it strikes me as a very pretty place, but, like... Somber? Be, yeah, somber. You know, my dad spent a lot of time over there, you know, Sweden and Norway, and so it's pretty, but, you know, just kind of... Even their cooking is kind of just bland, you yeah. know?
1: That makes sense.
0: I'm taking shots. I'm I'm from America. Mate, exactly, this, this part will be
1: cut out for our uh, Norwegian
0: dub. Yeah, we're our uh, <laughs> the South Korean version of Suds Buds will actually have a Randy Newman song in this segment. <laughs> um, so yeah, Randy Newman, just a powerhouse. When she loved me, Sarah McLaughlin, sad tune. Uh, what do you think of that song, Nate?
3: I, I don't know. I
0: that whole scene, um,
1: obviously. It's supposed to make you feel, you know, sad, and I, I get the whole thing, and it kind of, in a two minute segment, explains Jesse's entire character or yeah. all of her reservations about everything, um, how she got to where she was, but it's it's not my favorite, no. um, maybe I just like songs that are fun, um, I don't know, uh, yeah, not my favorite song.
0: Me either. Yeah, I don't know. I think... I kind of knew going into this movie that my favorite song was still going to be Strange Things, just because I hadn't seen this movie in a while, but I remembered it pretty well. Sure. And I remember just not liking that song, because it's sad, man. It's, yep. it's a sad song. But I think watching it back, well, it still isn't my favorite tune, um, I think it's a good song for its place in the film. I think it serves a good purpose. I think it, uh,
1: it's the perfect song
0: for that scene. Yeah, man. It tugs at the heartstrings. Just like that being the accompanying piece to, to what you're seeing on screen. It's a, it's a total package that works. Um, so I don't know, kind of have a weird, weird relationship, weird feeling with that tune, but, uh, yeah, we'll see where it falls on our on our rankings, or if it even is ranked. Um, I guess our final tune we hear uh, in this movie, final tune with lyrics, um, is a version of You've Got a Friend in Me, um, performed by Grammy and Tony-winning singer Robert Goulet, um, who I believe was a French-Canadian individual that recorded in the U.S., um, but uh, yeah, and oh, and I guess before this version, we do hear a Tom Hanks version of "You Got a Friend in yeah, yeah, Me." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in it's very
1: round-up kind of thing.
0: It's very kind of chopped up and spoken wordish. Which again, leave it
1: to Woody that the only thing, because like that's the scene where Woody changes his mind about wanting to go to the museum. Um, so leave it to Woody to only be convinced by his own voice that uh, maybe he's wrong. So. You know, maybe this. I feel like the more I watch these movies, the less I like Woody.
0: He's got a bit of an ego, but we'll see. He's got Damn. two movies to redeem himself. That's true. We're only we're only halfway. Um, and yeah, that kind of uh, closes out our music there. That final song by Robert Goulet. You've got a friend in me, and it's actually um, Wheezy who uh, sings us out there, not the guy who actually voices him. They have a, a singer kind of he breaks into song and it's a it's a different
1: yeah it's a it's a whole big band kind of thing
0: yeah it's no longer the voice actor it's Mister Goulet
1: yeah um for me favorite song probably gonna be that one yeah just because I don't know, I, I really like big band music me um, too I I like the orchestration of it um yeah it's just kind of a fun fun thing probably also helps that like. The movie's kind of wrapped up. You already got that, uh, them endorphins coming through. You're like, oh, yeah, everything worked out. And then here's a happy song, and it's great.
0: And it feels big. Mm-hmm. It feels like a big song. You get that full kind of panoramic of everyone, and they're all there dancing. Everyone made it home safe. The new toys have been introduced to their new home. It's.
1: Buzz is even doing that old time jazzy thing where he's just like moving his head and he's snapping along. Yep. I am like, all right, all right, yeah. She's sure. feeling it. Yep.
0: Yeah, a lot, a lot, little, little, just one foot stomping going on, head nodding. It's a, it's a fun little moment with the toys there. But uh, I, I like that song, but I just think I like the Randy Newman version, version of that song, go figure, uh, better. Sure. Um. I, you know, my favorite song of this film is gonna be Woody's Roundup, that Riders in the Sky song. I like it, man. It's something so different. It's old-timey. It's like, it's just the recording of it sounds different than everything else. It's, you know, we're hearing it through an old TV. It's, it's so different from all the other songs we hear, but also I feel like it's such a big part of this film. Like, that Woody's Roundup element is really, you know, half of this movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, that is... The, the kind of overarching or overarching story is Woody's Roundup. Yep. So, yeah, and that's kind of the theme of that or the theme song of that whole bit. So, yeah, no, I get it. Um, I just I don't know. Western, I'm also uh, not a big fan of westerns. Sure. Maybe that's why I don't like Woody. Who knows? Maybe I don't like westerns because as a kid, Woody. Who knows? Maybe that's what I'll go with.
0: Woody ruined westerns for me. Maybe we do a podcast after this about westerns and trying to see if you we can find a western that you like or figure out what you, it is that you dislike about westerns. <laughs> I'm just gonna put myself through this torment to figure it out. Have you ever seen El Topo? No. Oh, you'll definitely like westerns after that. Okay. Yeah.
1: Well, I I shouldn't say all west. Like uh, like Django Unchained. Sure. Like Hateful Eight. Sure. It's not so I figured out it's not even the time period. It's just something about old westerns. I don't know Mandalorian? Yeah. Uh, is that a western? Would you call that a western? hmm I don't know. I don't know. Like they're definitely in like a forest for some of that shit.
0: Yeah. Not but a lot it's, of forests it... out in the desert. I don't think it's all about like I mean. Like, Clint Eastwood, Spaghetti Westerns, those were in Italy. <laughs> Ain't a whole lot West about that. But, uh... We'll, we'll touch back on this, I, but I, think, I think, v- think you're wrong. Western has a lot to do with the character, I think. I mean, the Mandalorian, he's he's a bounty hunter. Sure. Kind of this faceless character. Man with no country. Man with no family. You know, man mm-hmm. with a, a kind of a, a fake or a mysterious identity that he he goes by. And is he good? I don't know. Is he bad? I don't know. He works with good and bad people, but he's, you know, he basically is out there working for what is in his best interest. And I think that's kind of a cowboy, right?
1: Eh, sure. I'll, I'll give it to you. Like I Woody. Guess, Woody maybe, maybe. Woody is working for his own best interest. I think we're figuring a out a lot of things work. here, Nate. I don't like selfish people. I don't think you like cowboys.
2: That? Mm.
1: Let's piece this together. Okay. Actually I will say if I walk into a bar and there's a guy with a cowboy hat on, probably
0: not gonna talk to well, him. Well that's different. I don't know. Is it though? Ain't a lot of cowboys that I know hanging out in bars in the Twin Cities. I was I'm that's, that's probably I'm a fake ass cowboy. That's generally why. saying every bar
1: even in Texas, I'm trying to think of any like when I spent some time down in Texas, I don't really talk to a lot of people with cowboy hats on.
0: Maybe you don't like cowboys. That's
1: very possible. Don't like Woody. Don't like westerns. Welcome to Suds Buds presents Nate's childhood dramas <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that's gonna do it for our uh, our music segment. All right. Um. Yeah. So favorite song for you? You had "You Got a Friend in Me" done by Robert Goulet, written by Randall Newman, and I had Woody's Roundup performed by Riders in the Sky, written by Rainy Newman. Um what do you say we rate this beer and then give this film a final rating?
1: Sure. Um this beer, I think everybody's at this point, if you've listened to the podcast, you're very aware of my feelings towards barley wine. Friggin' love it. Um and this one scratches that itch. It's just it's a well done barley wine ale. Um Also it's weird that it comes in cans. I, I don't know why that weirds me out. Like, I'm just used to it being in bottles. So, a 12-ounce can of barley wine just seems weird. But, yeah, big fan. Um, I'd probably give this i uh, I'm going to go 4... We're going to go 4-2 on this one. 4-2. Four, 4-2. Two. Four, two. Very nice. Very nice.
0: Yeah, the thing you mentioned about it being in a can is a little weird, too. It's kind of like when you see a Belgian in a can. Yep. But I've grown past it because I've had enough good ones um, that are, you know, canned. So yeah, it uh, it's kind of like that. Can't ju- judge a book by its cover.
1: Yeah, it is. I get, I don't know why they're always in bottles, but like, it just seems like a thing that should be in a bottle.
0: Yeah. <sighs> I'm trying to think. Weird. What did you say your rating was again? I gave her a four two. Four two. So. I don't think it's going to score quite as high for me. I just don't think I'm quite as well-versed in the barley wine style as you. I've had a handful. I'm just not quite sure what I'm looking for yet. Sure. And I'll get there. I felt that way about Belgians for a long time. And I think I kind of figured that out maybe like two years ago, what it was that I liked and disliked or what those flavors were that I associated with being off flavors Okay. that were just a part of that style, you know? Um, And yeah, so for me, this is—it's sweet, it's boozy. Um, I always kind of get like a brandy note from barley wines, kind of like a sweet, just grape or dark fruit.
1: That's molasses is probably what you're tasting.
0: That would make sense. Yeah. Some dark, heavy sugar. Yep. Um, hmm. I'm gonna give it a nice round number. I think this one's gonna come in an even four for me. Would drink again. Would buy again. But damn, dude, I mean, I'm I'm splitting a 12-ounce can with you, and I'm like, I'm good on this. And maybe it's because I'm, like, trying to cut back a little bit, and I've had a, <laughs> a few already today. Yeah. But uh, this is, like, this is a nightcap of a beer for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, thinking about it more, kind of digging that it's in a 12-ounce. So, like, barley wine is one of those where – if people aren't familiar with it and you want to show them a the barley wine, pretty much up and yeah, your options are crack open a bottle of barley wine that you've been saving, or, and maybe they like it, maybe they don't. But with this, it's like, oh, I can crack open a 12-ounce. I can give you a little bit. If you don't like it, I'm not wasting anything. Because like, I think this does pretty well to the style.
0: Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, I wouldn't really know, as I just, <laughs> I don't really know what the style is fully, but, uh, sure. yeah, I like it,
2: Ugh,
1: but, uh, film rating for this one, back, oh, ooh, almost made a mess, almost
0: a catastrophe there, almost um, a catastrophe. broken glass, we saved it, uh, yeah, film rating, um, for me, at, like, as we explained before, we're just
1: gonna do it kind of where, we're not gonna give them a point rating. We're just gonna kind of rank them. Um, this one definitely comes in under the original Toy Story. Um, like I said before, or like you said, this movie is clearly a sequel. Mm-hmm. And like it sounds weird to say, but like it doesn't stand alone as well as a lot of or as some sequels can. Like, you Agreed. could watch this movie on its own without seeing the first one and it'd be fine. But you need the first one to set the stage for this. um, and I think the first one just had a little more heart in it. This one is kind of more of like a... Here are all like these little fun side things that, yeah. Just kind of not crowd pleaser, but eh, kind of.
0: I think we mentioned the darkness of the first one a lot in that last episode. Yeah. And I don't think that's quite as apparent in this one. No. There's some sad stuff, some tear-jerking moments, but it's not... uh. There's no Sid's bedroom or anything like that. No, not quite. I am excited about next week's, though, because
1: there's some dark shit in that movie. Yeah,
0: next week's going to be a fun one. But, uh, yeah, as far as my rating, I'm kind of on the same page as you. Um, I'm going to put Toy Story 2 below Toy Story the first uh, for similar reasons. Uh, Just being uh, very much being a sequel, I think some of the the funniest jokes in this movie are callbacks to things that happened in the first one. Yeah. And some of those jokes may still land to a certain extent on a first time viewer to the franchise, but there's also things where like the introduction of Mrs. Potato head, that's so much funnier (laughs) after you're coming right off the heels of the, the first one. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, Also another actress
1: that was in Seinfeld. So, you know, there you go. This movie is basically animated Seinfeld.
0: Don't say that. <laughs> um, another couple of things I just want to note real quick is this movie is a lot bigger than the first one. There is kind of that aspect of a road movie and a lot more travel, more locations. Yes. It feels like, you know, a lot of sequels feels like they get a bigger budget. They, and, well,
1: and I think they want to explore like kind of the world a little bit more. In that first one, it was much more about the characters interacting with each other. This one's much more like, everybody's basically on the same page the whole time. There's just a lot of distance to cover.
0: True. True. Yeah. Um... I have one more thing I wanted to touch on before we get out of here on this. Um... I am totally drawn a to mental blink. Um oh, I guess this is one random thing. Humans looked a lot creepier or excuse me, a lot less creepy in this one than the first one. I feel like Pixar's gotten better at that over time. Yep. Making the people look less for lack of a better word, terrifying.
1: Yeah, it's a lot more like shading on the skin. Um because like it's kinda hard to differentiate Toy, like, toys are supposed to look plasticky. They're supposed to be kind of flat color. They don't have imperfections or more of a natural face. It's a toy. Yep. Um, but in the first one, I think it was kind of hard for them to, like, give them all of those very unique features that only a person would have.
0: Yes. Yes. And on that note, I remember what I was going to say. It was on the topic of animation. Thank you. Um, the animation is better in this one than the first one specifically where you said in the shading and I noticed too the lighting Yeah, there were just some textures in the first one where it's like you could tell they were replicating that real world texture to the best they could but it almost came across as like blurry or out of focus at times or the same grain pattern kind of repeated and um, I noticed in this that while it did look much cleaner, I think I realized it's like kind of like with graphics on a video game. Cleaner isn't always better. Sometimes it's, you know, it, always, I would argue, it's the story that drives it. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Toy Story 2 is a good example of that. You know, doesn't really matter how good the drawing is, you know, who animates it, um, how good the graphics are. Uh, what kind of camera it was shot on, you know.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Ultimately, at the end of the day, people are going to remember it for its its story and its characters. And while this film is a memorable movie, I don't think Toy Story 2 has nearly the um, strong, unique story that Toy Story 1 has.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think, like we had said before, because Toy Story 1 is more focused on the characters yeah um toy story 2 is more location i think it's harder locations fun but it's not doesn't necessarily make
0: as captivating yeah and it feels like at times it's like they're bringing us to these locations and just for like to have a moment of each character has to kind of get their lines in you know yeah each character's got to have their jokes yep. you know and i felt like there was kind of like there was a, a, a rhythm to that yeah well like good nor bad yeah exactly or nor mean, good or bad like the
1: the whole thing with like the whole or the rescue crew going out there's buzz there's rex there's ham potato head and slinky basically the only one that needed to be there like it, you needed buzz slinky got him off the roof and like one more character yep like no nobody added anything specific to that adventure they just all were on it
0: yeah that's about right It's about right yeah well i enjoyed it man i Love know it. you did i hope you all listening enjoyed it um i think that's all for me nate did you have anything else to add i think i'm good all right everybody well check us out wherever you find your podcasts every thursday morning um follow us on instagram for more info uh you know our beer rankings uh drops on upcoming content that's uh suds buds pod um and if you have questions for us or want us to you know review anything on the show have any fun facts email us at suds buds pod that's suds with a z buds with a z pod at gmail.com other than that i think we out or if you have any dirt on tom hanks <laughs> yeah we'll take that too yeah. we'll exposed tom hanks i say that i don't want to do it i kind of bit my my tongue there a little bit i don't know yeah you know what if you got dirt on tom hanks keep it to yourself (laughs) we're keeping tom hanks clean in our eyes (laughs) i don't know man
1: i don't know everybody we'll we'll find out i'll read the dirt
0: well without further ado friends uh this is eric been here with nate Uh, This has been Suds Buds presents Pints and Pixar And we're taking you out here With a little You've Got a Friend in Me Song by Mr. Robert Goulet Cheers everybody
3: You've got a friend in me You've got a friend in me when the road looks rough ahead And you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed You just remember what your old pal said Son, you've got a friend in me Yeah, you've got a friend in me You've got a friend in me You've got a friend in me, you've got a friend in me. You got troubles, then I got them, too. There isn't anything I wouldn't do for you. We stick together, we can see it through. Because you got a friend in me. Yeah, you got a friend in me. Some other folks might be a little bit smarter than I am, bigger and stronger, too, maybe. But none of them will ever love you the way I do. Just me and you, babe. And as the years go by, our friendship will never die. You're gonna see it's our destiny. You got a friend in me. You just remember what your old pal said, son, you got a friend. stick together we can see it through cause you've got a friend in me Some other folks might be a little bit smarter than I am bigger and stronger too, maybe but none of them will ever love you the way I do, just me and you, babe And as the years go by our friendship will die. You're gonna see it's our destiny. you got a friend in me. you got a friend in
0: what is up everybody you are listening to suds buds presents pints and pixar the podcast where we chat chat the podcast where we chat about the film you know what fuck it i'm gonna i'm gonna start that back all right (laughs)